I'm Clarabelle Ortega, author of Ghost Squad and Witchling. And I'm Kat Cho, author of the Gumiho Duology and Once Upon a K-Prom. And this is Write or Die. The Once Upon a K-Prom special. Ooh. <laughs> special, <laughs> special, 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 special. <laughs> I'm really excited about our guest today. <laughs> 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 should I say her should I say her bio or I'm gonna yeah who is this guest that you speak of um so uh Kat Cho used to hide books under the bathroom sink and then sneak in there to read after bedtime her parents pret- pretended not to know this helped when she decided to write a dinosaur time travel novel at the tender age of nine sadly that book was not published <laughs> Kat and her books have been featured in Entertainment Weekly, NBC, Refinery29, and Seventeen. Her books include the Penguin One World One Book 2019 selection, Wicked Fox, and its internationally best-selling sequel, Vicious Spirits, as well as the upcoming rom-com, Once Upon a K-Prom. She currently lives and works in New York City and spends her free time trying to figure out what kind of puppy to adopt. Welcome to the show, Kat. Oh my gosh, this is a dream come true to be on this podcast with you. I love uh, how accurate the spends her free time um, trying to figure out what kind of puppy to adopt line because you've literally, since I've met you, every like few months you'll send me a picture, should I adopt this dog? Oh yeah. Like without fail. And I'm always like, yes. And then you just never do. And then I never do. Although, you know what I, you know, the sad update to this uh, bio is that I finally asked my landlord if I could have a dog in my apartment and he said no. And so wow. I'm just like really sad. So like I I actually took steps to realize this dream and it was, it was taken he from me. He doesn't want to let you be great. I know. Well, I mean, I guess it just means that I could keep this bio for a while because I will continue to try to figure out what kind of puppy to adopt until I could do it. <laughs> yeah, I support this. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you about your book, Once Upon a Key Prom. Is this Yay. is this releasing right before it comes out? Yeah, this episode, I'm pretty sure it's going to go out right the day before, like we oh. try to do with most of our guests. So it comes out tomorrow. How do you feel? <laughs> um, well, future cat past me is numb. I'm sure future me is going to be like manic and <sighs> and just all over the place because I'm literally traveling back to New York just to launch the book. Um, because I'll be like out of town for like a month and then I have to come back and do my book launch and do all that stuff. So I'm sure I'll be like yeah going crazy <laughs> it's it's always really tiring i feel like to travel like mm-hmm. while you're launching something um because it's on its own like it's just scary and like a lot so traveling yeah. on top of that it just makes it so much more stressful but um sending good travel luck and calm yeah. vibes to you, Thank you. <laughs> i mean it's it's kind of nice i mean when you travel to promote the book that's so nice and like a lot of authors don't get that so that's pretty cool but it is still stressful I mean like airports in general are stressful big time yeah (laughs) yeah um so for people who don't know which 
it's like one person because everyone knows. Can you <laughs> just want to kick off uh, with you telling us in your own words what Once Upon a K-Prom is all about? Sure. Okay. So Once Upon a K-Prom is the first young adult rom-com I'm publishing. My other two books were contemporary fantasies. Um, so this is a book about Elena Sue, who's a Korean American girl. And when she was a little kid, her best friend, Robbie Choi, moved back to South Korea and promised that they would stay friends and that he'd definitely come back when they were in high school so they could go to prom together. But he very quickly fell out of touch with Elena. And the next thing she heard, he debuted as a K-pop idol in a K-pop group that grew to be the most famous K-pop group in the world. And so Elena has some trust issues there because she's like, oh, so he ghosted me to become famous. That's that's what it was. And she just never expects to hear from him again. She actually like is triggered whenever she hears about him because like people are like, oh, Elena is just Robbie's ex-best friend. She's not Elena. She's Robbie's friend, right? Living in his shadow. Yeah, living in his shadow, um, which sucks because she already lives in the shadow of her three older sisters and her more popular uh, twin brother. So then when it actually comes time for her to go to prom junior year, she's like not into prom. She'd rather just like hang out with her friends and go to her beloved community center. And like the universe plays a huge joke on her because then one day about a month before prom Robbie Choi shows up on her doorstep to say he's keeping here to keep his promise to go to prom with her um and he's filming the whole thing for like his group's YouTube channel and Elena's mortified and she just does not recognize the boy that's in front of her anymore he's completely changed from like the 10-year-old boy she used to know so it's kind of like an estranged childhood friends to lovers Plus, celebrity boy, girl next door, fall in love kind of a thing. Um, plus K-pop, you know? My love of K-pop that I've had since I was a little girl kind of really fed this whole entire story. <laughs> that that sounds just so good. I'm very, very excited for everyone to read it. Um, so Yay. speaking of your love of K-pop, like, let's talk about it. Like, <laughs> how do you remember when you first got into it? And how did that sort of like translate to writing a book? Like, since you've kind of loved it like for most of your life did you have to do any sort of research still or what was the process like for you so I do kind of remember well I I have a memory of like the earliest time from uh, that I think I really started loving it and mm -hmm. it was because of my older sister so my older sister was dating a guy who really loved HOT which was if you if you look at k-pop there's different generations um, so the first generation was in like the early 90s, like, and HOT was part of that trend, like kind of back when like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and everyone were huge too. Mm -hmm. um, and so because my sister's boyfriend was really into HOT, my sister started listening to them. And I remember like hearing the song by them called We Are the Future and just being like super into it and like watching all the dance music videos and stuff because K-pop has always been very into dancing. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is so cool. I love it so much. Like K-pop idols like danced so hard, you know, like even though yeah. we had boy groups in the West, like they didn't do as intricate dances as K-pop groups do. 
Um, so I thought that was really amazing. And also the fact that they were all Korean, I thought was really cool. Um, and then later, my younger cousin, Axie, uh, she introduced me to girl groups because she was more into girl groups. Mm-hmm. And so like she introduced me to like Finkel and Jewelry and Ihyori and and all of that. So those were like the first groups I loved way, way back in the day. Like this is old school, old school. Most people who have just gotten to K-pop probably haven't heard of this these groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also remember like I didn't really have anyone to talk to about my love of K-pop because no <laughs> yeah. one, I grew up in Central Florida. No one around me loved K-pop um, and kind of ridiculed it in a way because like, especially the girl groups were very like bubblegum pop. Yeah. Um, they're not as like like Blackpink and CL and like Twenty One and all that from now is like edgy and like you know, like badass women, but we didn't have that like you know when I was mm-hmm. a kid for girl groups. So like people thought it was like for little kids, you know, yeah. um, like <laughs> like kid bops. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I like had to like hide my love of K-pop. But, Aww. like, in a way, like, it was nice because it felt like it was something that was all mine. And it was very mm. precious to me. Um, and so K-pop has always felt very precious to me because it was this, like, weirdly secretive connection I had to Koreanness. Um, So it's always been something that's meant a lot to me. Like, even though it's pop music, right? And it's, like, just listening to music and watching people dance, like, and that's just entertainment to most people. To me... It, it was so much more, right? Um, and, and K-pop fandom was the first time that, like, I saw a bunch of, like, Korean people and Asian people, like, all converging on something, like, joyfully. Mm. And so I really loved that, too. So fast forward to, like, I'm an adult now, and um, I got back into K-pop with like shiny and big bang and 21 which is where cl is from um and i just like really got into just like all the behind the scenes stuff uh so k-pop what i really love about it is that they release a lot of extra content for their fans it's there's so Mm -hmm. much fan service right it's because it's all about the fans like all the k-pop idols they're like i wouldn't be where i am if i didn't have fans right so everything i do is for my fans and i appreciate them and i'm always thinking about them when i'm making my music when i'm making any extra content when i'm doing concert performances like it's all about the fans whereas i do feel like western artists their mindset is it's all about the music um regardless of the fans that are going to listen to it it's like music comes first right and it's not Mm -hmm. that like i don't think that k-pop idols aren't really into music and the musicality of their art i just think like because of the asian mindset it's like uh, they're thinking about the people you know that they're going to affect with the music you know what i'm saying does that make sense yeah that it does. It does make sense. Um, and I, th- I think because of that, there's like an intimate relationship between K-pop idols and their fans that is precious and like fed into that feeling I had when I was a kid. Right. And and K-pop, my love of K-pop was something very personal. Um, so I so <laughs> to answer your question, <laughs> it was a very long question. You so. originally asked. I didn't have to do extra research because 
my interactions with k-pop was so is so intimate you know and so i did know a lot about what goes on behind the scenes because they release so much content of like the day in the life stuff and like how i prepare for an album and how we prepare for music shows and the realities of like how this gets made and that gets made and like what's it like for a k-pop idol to go through training right because they have to be trainees first which is a a very k-pop thing it's like you can be you can be a discovered as an amateur singer in America or the West and immediately release an album, right? Mm -hmm. But in K-pop, you have to be a trainee first. Yeah. Um, you have to be formally you have to be prepared, trained. basically. Yeah. Um, and some people have short trainee periods. There's like people who have like three or four months as trainees, but they're still trainees first. Um, and so like... I knew all of that stuff already before I wrote Once Upon a K-Prom. I think the one thing I did do was I did go into a deeper dive of like how K-pop idols feel about being K-pop idols. And there's a lot of videos out there of ex-K-pop idols that they make mm -hmm. after they've left the industry and they've like either started their own YouTube channel or they're being interviewed by someone else where they talk about the struggles that they experienced that maybe they weren't allowed to talk about so candidly and because I really like even though it's a rom-com and it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be escapism I didn't want to shy away from the realities of the pressure because these are kids right yeah they're like teenagers who are in the public eye like I mean you know Robbie the main character the main k-pop idol in my book he debuts when he's um when he's uh 14 us age he's 14 years old and that's so young to debut but like there's there are real life k-pop idols who debuted at 14 us age like taemin from shiny um and jungkook from bts he was 15 so they went through so much so young and i really wanted to be true to that with robbie i love that so much and Funnily enough, I just found out who Jewelry was this week because I watched a documentary about Nine Muses, which was really oh. difficult to watch because the company was not nice to them. No, yeah. It was really, really hard to watch. I felt so mm -hmm. bad for those girls. Um, but I guess the same company put out Jewelry or something similar to that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I had never heard of them, obviously. I was just, I'm... um. Uh, I'm doing uh, research in preparation for this interview because I was nervous about talking to the cat show internationally best-selling author. Oh my gosh, <laughs> shut your mouth. <laughs> um, I can't so, so, so you, so you came off of writing, you know, uh, a fantasy duology that was like in reality paranormal romance. Yes, it's paranormal romance, everyone. It's like, paranormal let's be honest. romance. <laughs> so, what was that like for you? Like switching from writing that to like contemporary and something that is like not just contemporary, but like very close to your heart. Contemporary. Yeah, I mean, well, it's interesting because I thought it would be super different. Like, I just. I, and and I, I kind of wanted it to be very different because it was a different genre. So, like, I purposefully uh, made it a different POV. Like, Wicked Fox and Vicious Spirits are our third person. And I made Once Upon a K-Prom first person because I really like 
the intimacy of being in the head and in the thoughts of the main character when it's contemporary because it's so so deeply emotion driven but then i realized that wicked fox and vicious spirits have a very heavy romance plots i mean they're paranormal romance so the romance relationships are a huge part of those books even though like i did wanted to make sure the main characters weren't only about the love interests like they have other relationships too but um i i realized like the romance aspect was like very similar because it was all about like getting to know somebody and realizing how that person makes you feel and how they make you reassess how you feel about yourself because of how they see you too um i that those are my favorite things about romances is that it's not like all the steamy triple pepper emoji moments right (laughs) yeah it's all about what romance is really about is a relationship between two human beings and how each person comes into this relationship as uh, thinking they're one way and their relationship with this person makes them reassess how they see the world and how they see themselves so that by the end of the story they've been changed um and it can be subtle changes like not everybody has to like be coming of age through a romance um but because this is young adult coming of age is like such a heavier theme than mm-hmm. adult romance so i really do love that aspect of young adult romance and i did that a lot with wicked fox and vicious spirits and and i think i did it with uh once upon a k prom as well and the whole so it there's there was way more similarities than i anticipated but it was kind of nice um, because I realized that like the thing that, that makes me love YA isn't genre specific. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about the characters and about like, they're going through a time in their lives when they're figuring out who they are and they're figuring out their identity. And that's such a innate part of young adult fiction. Uh, it's why I love it so much. So kind of just like in a weird craft way, like reminded me why I've always loved YA. Um, I never, never had to think about it before, but when you write it, you kind of have to dissect why you write the stories you write. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the hard thing about it is that I can't, I can't explain away random stuff with magic. And yeah. I, yeah, and I can't up the tension with magic. So it's ha- all the tension has to be man made, like literally. And it's why like so many people fall into the like misunderstanding trope, because it's like, well, the reason, you know, they're not really bad people, they just don't communicate well. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I did use misunderstandings for some mm-hmm. parts of my book. But I I tried to do it in a way that was realistic. Like, I mean, I think if you really think about it in your everyday life, there are moments where you're like, oh, it's too too awkward if I confronted someone about that, right? So I'm just going to like, right? So you're just like, I I, hopefully it'll it'll, uh, figure itself out or I'll get over it myself and then it won't even matter. So like, and and so I do think my characters do that a lot, but I think it's human to do that, right? Um, I I think so too. I think that a lot of people's, frustration with like the misunderstanding trope is understandable because it's frustrating in real life but like you're you're not seeing the full picture IRL the way that you are in a book 
uh-huh. it's, it's like each person has their own thought process when it comes to something, some, some, to, when it comes to, you know, personal issues. And mm-hmm. I think that that happens so often. Like people are fucking kidding themselves if they think it's not realistic. Because yeah. it is. It totally is. It totally is. And to be fair, I think the issue isn't that misunderstandings create tension in books. It is how we execute it as authors. I do think that's true. So Mm -hmm. I tried really hard to like put you in the mind of the character and why they were so hesitant to talk about a thing. Like I really wanted readers to feel Elena's insecurities and feel her anxiety and like and realize that she truly thought that like she would come across as like a brat and Robbie would never talk to her again if she confronted him about a certain thing you know Um, especially because there's a power dynamic at play when one person's like worldwide famous you know (laughs) 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 worldwide handsome Handsome. (laughs) Um, but the thing is like Elena does have to deal constantly in the book with the fact that she's always the one being blamed when something goes wrong between her and Robbie because his fans are on his side always. Yeah. And which so sense, yeah. It it sucks. So she's very cautious about like making the wrong move just in case um cuz she doesn't want to be seen as like a bad guy. Yeah. Uh that's I mean, I feel for Elena, and, like, to me, she felt very realistic uh, as, like, a teenage girl. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I could totally see it, and I have a soft spot in my heart for her. Um, Do you think that, do you, did you, I know this is an annoying question, but did you, like, where did you get the inspiration to, like, make her the way that she is? Like, why is she sort of so... um, I want to say, like, she's idealistic about things in in a way. Like, don't you want to do good things for the environment (laughs) versus (laughs) going to prom, which is so cute um, and so funny. And I feel like such a, like, teen girl. I can can change the world. Just one vote makes a difference. Like, Mm -hmm. were you like that in high school or do you think you were different? I I do think that I expected the best of people like whether it was naive or not and and you and I talk about this all the time I'm very gullible mm-hmm. um which like and and I'm gullible to the point where like I will tell people straight up like oh please don't play please don't play a trick on me I'm really gullible and then of course they're definitely going to play a trick on me because now they know that and I literally just told them I gave them the tools that they needed um <laughs> and I so I've always been like that um uh, to be fair, you are like the worst <laughs> You're always like tricks on me. Um, but I know you you mean it all in good fun. So I never get upset. Um, but, well, the way Elena is, she does have a lot of, um, a lot of her flaws come from the way I was in high school. So like Elena believes that if she can figure out what her one passion is, then it'll be easy sailing from there because then everything in her life that she thinks like she's missing will fall into place because she has a passion in life and she has a dream because if she's driven, then she will have something that defines her outside of um, just being like the youngest of five siblings or the twin of this popular 
her popular twin brother or the you know ex best friend of a K-pop idol. Um, but that's that's so limiting and um, and but I believed that when I was in high school. I really like I Elena does this thing where she like tries a bunch of different hobbies because she's like maybe I can be amazing artist or maybe I can be like you know a prodigy musician or I could you know be a an actor and I could be in plays I did all of that in middle school and high school thinking like I was going to find the thing I was going to be the theater kid I was going to be the band kid I was going to be the newspaper kid but I don't think I was ever any one thing um and only now after the fact I think I know that that's okay but when I was a teenager I was like if I don't know what I want to do with my life by the time I go to college then I'll be wasting so much time and I won't like you know hit the ground running as an adult and like then I'll fail as an adult and like how will I survive and I truly was very like do or die like that um so I gave that to Elena and it is really interesting because uh I got I did get a note from an alpha reader that was like that was like is this realistic that Elena like worries about this stuff so much and I was like I don't know was it realistic that I lived my whole entire teenage life like that? <laughs> so I did give her, I gave her a lot of my own flaws, um, which I think I do sometimes with my characters. It's, um, we do write our own anxieties into our books. Yeah, I think that's totally normal. And I found it super realistic. I think sometimes we forget how like over the top everything is when we're teens. So reading it back as an adult can feel like, I never had those many feelings at once. But it's like you just <laughs> forgot because you definitely did. Mm -hmm. So, Robbie, is he based on anyone in the <laughs> K-pop world? Was was any inspiration taken from anyone in the K-pop world for Robbie? He's like a patchwork of some of my favorite aspects and or just aspects in general of of different idols that I either love or admire or or just think like fit really well with the type of person Robbie had to be um but he, he's not any one k-pop idol but for the sake of realism I was like well Robbie didn't want to be a k-pop idol he wanted to write music and that was something that Suga from uh BTS his that's his backstory for like why he joined big hit was that he joined as a producer and then <laughs> um the you know head of big hit kind of i don't want to say tricked him although he says it once like when he's telling the story but like kind of like finagled him into debuting as an idol with bts and suga like jokingly will say like you tricked me into becoming a k-pop idol um and one of the reasons that he says he didn't want to be an idol was because dancing is is doesn't come secondhand to him, <laughs> and dancing's also hard for Robbie. I would say I would say in my mind though, Robbie's a better dancer than Suga. Mm. Um, but and but he's um he definitely like had to work really hard. It didn't come second nature to him. And in that in that way, he's also a little bit like Ian from Stray Kids, who's the actual magne of Stray Kids, because. Even though Ian is, I think he's a really good dancer now, when you see him pre-debut, 
they have like this survival show of like how Stray Kids was created and you see Ian struggle a lot with the dances and that's how I imagine Robbie was and kind of is I think he's more like Ian dancing wise but he's like sugar in terms of like why he joined an entertainment company in the first place um but then he's also he's like a sweetheart and he's kind of like um he's goofy when he's with people he's comfortable with but when he's um with strangers he has anxiety right um and that's kind of a little bit like jungkook is um quieter especially mm. when they just debuted if you look at like interviews where they just debuted oh my god and yeah. people would like and and but he was so talented right people called him the golden magnet but you can see he's like uncomfortable sometimes being <laughs> you know highlighted um yeah and he's just like so sweet about it um and i think like in a very jungkook way robbie started out towing the line and doing what you know was best for the team and what the company told him was best but you can see now like in the last two years like jungkook has really individualized himself and he's like gotten his tattoos and he's more open with that and he you know wants to learn how to play guitar and he wants to do all of these things that i think that maybe like i don't know him personally but it i imagine that he didn't feel like he could be open with that because he wanted to do what he was told was best for his team. Yeah. But now he's he's let go of some of that and he's more free. And Robbie's not at that point yet in the book, but that's where Robbie wants to be, right? So he's just starting to realize that maybe he can be more himself and that maybe people, his fans will, won't abandon him if he does that. Um. So yeah, <laughs> that's Robbie. <laughs> so a mixture of different things. I really like that. That's that's very cool. And I can definitely yeah. see, I mean, I don't, I know almost nothing about Street Kids except for what you have made me watch so far. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was very funny when so you were much. like, oh my God, Carmel, I'm obsessed with uh, with the group. And like, you, re you weren't kidding. You weren't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I get really into I get so if I and I it goes in waves like and it's different groups at a time like I I'm never obsessed with more than one group at a time I don't think mm -hmm. I can handle that um but I, when I get into them I get really into them like it's it's intense <laughs> it sure was so do you think that you would ever write like another book in the K-pop world or is this it for you? Do you think? I think if I did, I, I'd want to stay in this world uh, just okay. because I, I just feel like I like what I've, I like the characters I've already built and, and I just think like building a whole different like and I, there's a thing when you write about a thing that really exists when there's real celebrities in it, you have to make a choice, right? Like, will the real K-pop idols in our world exist in this fictional world I'm creating? Right. And I did a hybrid of it because WDB, the group in my book, are supposed to be the most successful K-pop group. And if they existed in our world purely, then they'd have to be like Grammy award winning to be, you know, like, you know, like 
have gotten like an EGOT or something to be more successful than BTS. Yeah. Um, and so in instead of like going to, having to go to such extremes, technically in my book, and I'm sorry, people who are listening, ARMY who are listening, and to you, Claire Bell, who you're also ARMY, but BTS does not exist in my book. Wow. Um, just interview, because been... interview over. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but it was just, I ha- they couldn't. No, that makes it was, sense. Yeah, it creates it's necessary. This, yeah, it creates this like, this hurdle that I would have had to jump over this extreme. I mean, BTS is just, they've done so much for K-pop and they've done, I mean, they, and they deserve all of it. But like in terms of what I wanted WDB to be, I wanted them to symbolize something big enough that they would be really well known in, in uh, like the West. Right. Yeah. Um, And so that, cause it couldn't be that they're not known here because then Elena struggles with her, best friend being famous wouldn't exist because they could just like walk around and no one would know who Robbie was. He -hmm. had to be worldwide, worldwide handsome, worldwide famous. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So unfortunately I had to unexist BTS in, in my fictional world. I'm sorry. Wow. Well, hopefully not too many armies hear this because yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Yugi. I, so I love you. you. I yeah, faced, you just I faced a whole of you. <laughs> <laughs> Shiga's gonna write a song about this. <laughs> no, well, you know what? Actually, I'm not mad about that. <laughs> I want it to be an August D song then. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's gonna be angry. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be an angry song. <laughs> Incredible. It's gonna be like he's gonna call it Napununa. And it's just like going to be about how one of his OG fans betrayed him. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine? I feel like that would be horrifying. I mean, would, I guess... he would never do that. He would never do that to an army. But like... I, think, I think the closest to that that exists BTS wise anyway is the song Pied Piper where they're just like dragging army so bad for being your fans the entire song <laughs> it's like what what are you doing don't you have like, work to do like, yeah <laughs> why are you listening to us again oh yeah God. calm down it is so it is the funniest song ever um and it's so good um okay uh, let me see actually all right um so you've had a lot of really interesting like um like graphics and marketing things that have come from Once Upon a K-Prom. One of them was your playlist. That was really cool. Do you want to tell people a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's K-pop. So like, why? Of course, there's K-pop playlists associated with the book. Like it would be like, not just because it's like good marketing, but like I wanted to get into a specific mood to write it. So like I listened to lots of K-pop music while I was writing mm-hmm. and revising this book. Um, but um, I realized like that each member would like different songs. So I decided to make playlists for each individual member, which was super fun. Um, and just kind of like a way for me to share some of my, some of my personal recent favorites, but like cater it towards, and some of my OG favorites, um, but cater it towards each member to let people get to know them better. Um, I just thought it would be like a really fun way to do that. So like Robbie's playlist is all about like his two biggest motivations in the book. One was him 
um, having growing pains, like literally growing up in the public eye and trying to like show who he truly is to his fans with his music. And then the other thing is him trying to reconnect with his childhood best friend and his secret first love. Like he never admitted it to Elena when they were younger, but he had a huge crush on her before he moved away. And so his songs are things like Stay Gold by BTS, you know, which mm-hmm. I think is just like such a good song for like, like, you know, young adult kids who are like coming into their own and finding themselves like to just remind them that like you're you're amazing the way you are. Like keep keep the spark that like makes you gold, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then um, grow up by Stray Kids or it's Chad Hagoisa is which literally means you're doing well which I like the Korean name for it better because mm. the song is like an encouraging song and it's meant to be for teens to be like adults put all of this pressure on you to grow up and all this pressure on you to like do the best in your class and get good grades and like figure out who you are but like you're doing well like don't forget that and so that's why I like the Korean phrase, the Korean title for it better. And and I just want to just shake Robbie sometimes and be like, Chad Hagoli saw Robbie. Like, um, and then um, Way Back Home by Sean, which is like self-explanatory. He's trying to find his way back to Elena, who he sees as home. Um, and Wasted on Me by Steve Aoki featuring BTS, which I just love that as like a let's live in the moment kind of romantic <laughs> song. Um, it, is, it is a really good song. I love that song. Yeah. Elena's playlist is like more angsty because and, and, and more about like how she is reluctantly falling <laughs> for Robbie. Um, so like she, there's a Stray Kids going in that one, too. I'm sorry. I love Stray Kids. Um, I mean, I, I prepared everyone, I think. Yeah. I told all of you that Kat was obsessed. <laughs> But it's interesting because the Stray Kids songs that I included, except for one, are actually really old. They're from, like, right after they debuted because Stray Kids now are all in their 20s. But when they debuted, like, like a bunch of them were still teenagers. And so I think the songs that they re- wrote when they debuted and, and pre-debut are very appropriate for teenagers trying to figure out who they are. So Voices by Stray Kids is pretty much a song that's like, like, don't let don't let the voice the outside voices make you doubt yourself don't let the outside voices be all that you hear right and i just love that that because elena does external val- she's like always seeking external validation like from everyone and that's a flaw that i have that i gave to elena and so voices is like actually a song that i listen to a lot for myself um, like just as an author like being in the public eye i'm like oh i have to remind myself that like i can't I can't make everyone happy with my books. Not everyone's going to love my books. Um, and to stop like listening to all the outside voices all the time. So I gave that song to Elena and then love sick girls by Blackpink, um, self-explanatory, um, f- falling, which funny enough, I had falling, which is a Harry style song on the playlist from way back when, when it first was released. And then like, a year ago, Jungkook covered it, Jungkook of BTS. And I was like, oh my gosh, does Jungkook know about my book and that I have this song on my playlist? So... I mean, they definitely creep all the time. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever 
tagged any of them in anything about my book, so I don't think they I don't actually think it matters. Them. I don't think it matters because <laughs> I've seen I've seen interviews where they're like showing them videos, and like J Hope will be like, "Oh, I've seen that." J Hope, and they'll be like, J-Hope "Oh yeah, we saw we yeah." Really and they'll on top of, of mm. watching fan made stuff. He's really good at it, like better than like most idols, I think. Anyway. So, so I had to – at first I had Harry Styles' version of falling on Alina's playlist, and then I replaced it with Jungkook's. I'm sorry, Harry. Wow. I love you. I love Harry still, and I think he's great, and it, obviously the original song is amazing. Yeah, um, but it makes more sense to have Jungkook's yeah, version Jungkook's on it, for version sure. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that's that's Elena's playlist. She's very angsty. <laughs> I love that both Elena and Myung are like, don't talk to me, but I <laughs> – I secretly love you. Like, it's very <laughs> funny to me that both of your um, your female leads have that energy about them. Oh, my God. I did not even notice that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Hello. Could you not notice it? <laughs> it's so funny, too, because also Juhun and Rabi are, are both the ones who are like, mm-hmm. no, I, I like you. Why won't you hang out with me? <laughs> like, soft cinnamon rolls. <laughs> literary themes (laughs) it's you know what's really funny too is that like um i i am like that like when a guy likes me too much i'm like what's wrong with you like why do you like me so much get away from me (laughs) oh gosh it's not healthy i know but i guess i subconsciously put that in my books (laughs) it made me laugh to realize that i was like "Mm." I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> I'm gonna have to see if I could change that in my next book. I don't think I'm going to actually. Oh no! <laughs> no, I think you should just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you able to tell us what you're working on next, or is that a big secret? Um, I don't think it's announced yet. By can that you tell it will us? Be announced. Can you tell us if you have to describe it, like three words to describe it that don't give anything away? Can you can you give us a little hint? Um. Okay, I'm gonna use a hyphen word to cheat. So modern day, which is the hyphen word, modern day Korean gods. Ooh, god. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's going back to contemporary fantasy with my next full length book. I do have two um, short stories in anthologies coming out in the next year that have been announced. Um, I'm super excited about those two. One is for a paranormal romance anthology where I I wrote about vampires. (laughs) Um, I was like, this is my chance to write about Korean vampires. (laughs) Um, And it's also a uh you know uh past love who came back kind of a story Ooh. um so like it's a like second chance type of a second chance love yeah um that i love those. and uh so he he uh he he went away for a couple years and he's back and he's weirdly different i don't know why he's so different than he used to be and it might be a second chance at love or death. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so that anthology is called Internally Yours. And I'm pretty sure it's coming out in the fall of this year. And then the other is a magic school anthology, which I'm super excited about because it's also a murder mystery um, called Grimoire of Grey Fates. I don't have the 
the publication date. So I'm not going to claim when it's going to be published, but definitely within like the next year from this podcast going live. Um, and what makes me really happy about this is, first of all, it's Korean sorcerers in my story. I mean, it's like a very diverse magic school, right? Um, and but mine are obviously Korean. And um, it's my first on the page, like blatantly gay main character, uh, which was terrifying for me to write. Um, I remember like I wrote it. I wrote Jia, uh, who's my main character, and I hadn't really spoken about my own queer identity publicly yet. I just wrote the story and I remember I was talking to you, Clarabelle, about it and a few of our other friends to be like, do you think I need to come out, you know, um, it's just so like people don't worry that I'm a, a straight woman writing about a queer character. Um, and it was a real big struggle for me. And and to be fair, I didn't come out because of Gia, of writing Gia. I did it because I felt comfortable and I felt like it was the time and I wanted to celebrate that part of my identity. Um, but yeah, it was it was. Um, it was a little nerve wracking. I'm not going to lie. Of course. Yeah. And yeah. I hate that people feel that they need to come out in order to write queer characters. It's such a complicated thing, but I mm. am glad that you felt comfortable enough to do it independent of that. And that you wrote the story and I'm really excited about that whole anthology, even though I know who did it because I read <laughs> the last story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But each story is really good regardless. And the way that, Oh, that absolutely everyone yeah. seeded clues in it was really i i'm so in awe of all the other contributors they're all so amazing yeah it's gonna be so cool i'm very excited to see it out in the world um mm -hmm. so um do you want to let our listeners know where they can follow you on the internet yeah um on twitter i'm just at cat show and then on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, I'm Cat Show Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. And then my website is also catshowrights.com. Woohoo! Woo Everyone go get 20 prerequisite copies right now. Right now. <laughs> please. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Just do this for me, please. Just this one time. <laughs> This is the last book I'm releasing while we still have the podcast. So, Whoa, like, emotions. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm in emotional turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really excited for Once Upon a Key Realm to be out in the world, and I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you, friend. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Kat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabelle A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, wordies. And don't forget to spread the word. <laughs>